Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm swell. How are you? I mean, it's kind of that lull before the combine, which I'm going to, by the way. I'm going to get some notes there for us. Nice. Um, but the NFL's great and kind to us and gives us some things to talk about on every week. And uh, two big moves happened just in the last day or two. Yeah, it, it, the the news never stops, which no, you're right. I love, but it also it also does. You mentioned downtime. I don't know. I I'm not feeling right. the downtime. <laughs> Maybe I'm uh, too worried about trying to catch up on these incoming rookies and uh, project how free agency is going to turn out. There's there's always stuff going on, which I like. Matt, we've got a great guest today to talk about that stuff and, and more. We've got Scott Connor from the Dynasty Command Center and works over there with me. Scott, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. It's another it's another Dynasty day. There's always news, it seems, in the NFL. That's the greatest thing about Dynasty is there's pretty much news other than maybe a little bit of a lull during the playoffs. There's always news pretty much every day. So I'm doing great. I'm very honored to join you guys on the show and looking forward to talking about some uh, buys and sells. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, looking at some buys and sells. We'll break that down by conference and division. Before we do that, though, let's let's jump into a little bit of the news. We don't do a ton of news and notes on here. We, we usually leave that to other shows, but a, a couple of big news items that Matt mentioned, so I think we'll we'll hit these. Kareem Hunt signs with the Browns. That was that was the big shocker to me. Obviously, we didn't didn't know where he would land uh, after all of this um, trouble that popped up at the end of, of last season, or I guess towards the middle of the season. But even more than the uncertainty of which team he might end up with was when he would sign. He he obviously was not bound to the the normal schedule of free agency because he was out there already he he didn't end the season with a team Matt were you were you surprised by the timing of things first of all a little um I think it's an ambitious move by Cleveland you know timing wise I don't really agree with it although you know their GM drafted him and clearly that organization and Dorsey overall will take uh, shortcuts on character guys, and they don't seem to care as much as other teams. Callaway, he drafted Tyreek Hill, you know, I mean. Um, but I, I didn't understand it because he's a running back. I mean, if it was a left tackle that they needed or a corner that they needed, okay. But there's so many running backs in this upcoming draft. And, yes, Hunt's a really good player. But why rock the boat just from a football and culture standpoint? And I do think it hurts Chubb a little bit in the dynasty world. But I also think it might be a good buy low time on Chubb, which is kind of the theme of our show today. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the I like the sound of that. I like the idea of that. If I can get Nick Chubb at any type of discount, obviously I, I would rush to do that. I'm just not sure the discount is really there. I don't yeah. know if if the panic has set in enough that people are selling Nick Chubb for you know, one first where a week ago he was, he would cost two and a half first or, you know, two first plus something like that. I'm just not sure that the discount is a real thing. It, it, it It's something that people keep saying and that happens every time there's news like this. I don't know. Scott, are you seeing the discount? I know it's, it's still early in this, in this, you know, with this news relatively, but 
Are you seeing that in your leagues? I know you're in a ton of them. Yeah, I'm in a ton of leagues, and I don't necessarily think that it's a, a discount on, on Chubb as much as it's a, a correction on the market on Chubb. I mean, there was a point hmm. this offseason where you know, he was comfortably some people's running back six in Dynasty, ahead of Mixon, ahead of Melvin Gordon, ahead of David Johnson. And I think this news just kind of corrects that market a little bit. It drops him back down a little bit down into the, I'd say, running back 8 to 10 range. And so I don't necessarily think it's a, it's really even a buy low. It's more of a buy of where his price should have been. Uh, but the name value just skyrocketed it from the end of the season up until where we are today in the off season. A lot of that probably having to do with, you know, so much hype around the Cleveland Browns and, you know, so much extrapolation of what people think Chubb's going to be able to do in terms of expanding his receiving role. I think that's a great explanation of it. Chubb had, in in our recent ADP at DLF, both in January and in February, he had creeped into that um, RB6, 7 range, I believe. He was right around Melvin Gordon. I think one month he was ahead, and in February he dipped behind him. But there's some there's still some concerns about about Nick Chubb primarily. What's that offense going to look like when it really is in sync? It, I would expect they add another wide receiver. Uh, obviously, they know what they have in Baker Mayfield. Maybe it turns into more of a passing offense than what we saw the past year. And when it goes to a passing offense, Chubb is Chubb is not going to be. You know, he's not going to put up the same numbers as some of these other guys. Obviously, Gurley, Kamara, even what we saw from Ezekiel Elliott this past year. So that's that's the knock. But I I think what you said is spot on, Scott. That. Maybe it maybe it's not a discount, just pushing Chubb's value back to where it should have been in the first place. The other big move was uh, Joe Flacco, the Baltimore Ravens. We we knew they were moving on from him in some form or fashion. They're able to trade him. They get what we assume is a mid round pick from the Denver Broncos. And for the Broncos, it's it's kind of the same story, a different year. That it was Brock Osweiler. It's Case Keenum. They move up to draft Paxton Lynch. They just can't get this right, Scott. No, they can't. And the way I interpreted this move was I don't, from an actual football standpoint, I don't necessarily understand it from Denver's view. Because if you still look at that division, even with Flacco, even if he is a marginal upgrade over what Keenum gave him last year, say he upgrades them and they end up being 500. It's still unlikely that they are a playoff team going into 2019. So it not only kind of pigeonholes them into what's not going to be a very good draft pick next year, if they were looking at him as a bridge, uh, unless they plan on drafting a quarterback this year, which is definitely possible. I don't, I just don't see the value in bringing in somebody that is really not all that much better than what they had a year ago and it actually may hurt them going into next year in terms of their you know, availability to be able to get one of the top-tier quarterbacks that's going to be in the 2020 draft. Matt, what was your take on, on the trade? When it happened, I was like, boy, is that dumb. Elway doesn't know what he's doing. And I kind of still feel that way. <laughs> I mean, if I'm the a Broncos fan, I'm not doing cartwheels about this. But I do think I understand it better now that – I've killed Flacco, and I really think he's been a poor player for going on 10 years now almost. And that being said, clearly his best season was under Kubiak, and that's exactly the system they're going to run. They want a drop-back passer, play-action, 
pure Shanahan, two-back zone scheme with a big arm. Um, we know Elway does value that, you know, some downfield shots. So I absolutely think Flacco fits the new offensive coordinator and the system that they've traditionally run, you know, back, going back to Mike Shanahan in Denver, much, much better. So I guess I understand that. And if we're having this conversation, you know, training camp opens and it's Flacco and Drew Locke, you could see, okay, I at least see what they're trying to accomplish here. I also think Elway's on the hot seat and needs to win nine games this year. So, you know, so maybe they don't go quarterback with a guy like Locke and just draft a corner or whatever, live for today, maybe get a wild card and save your job. So I think fantasy-wise... Doesn't do much. All of this probably doesn't matter outside of a super flex league. Uh, Flacco's value doesn't change much, honestly. I guess there was maybe a little concern that he wouldn't even get a starting job, and now we uh, we can assume that's what he has in Denver. So maybe just a, a small bump for him, but still, he, he's not a guy you want to start on a weekly basis, in my opinion. Let's move on to the buys and sells. Uh, as we said earlier, we're going to break this down division by division. We're going to start with the NFC South. Of course, we're talking about the New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Scott, we have asked you to come up with one buy and one sell from each division. You're going to make your case both ways on these guys. NFC South, who are you buying? The buy I had in the NFC South, I actually had a tough time coming up with somebody that I'm absolutely uh, going straight for in the NFC South, but I chose Austin Hooper, and let me explain the reason why. I, I think he's still being a little bit undervalued in Dynasty, uh, simply because he does not have the he doesn't have the name recognition, and he's not being hyped as much as some of the uh, the other tight ends that are in the tier above him. So we're talking about the Njoku, Ingram, Hunter Henry, Eric Ebron, OJ Howard. He's not quite there, uh, but he did produce. Last season, he was the tight end six overall in PPR and top 10 in points per game. Uh, He had 66 catches. So in a league where you're just looking for stability in the position, I think he's somebody that you can target. And he's probably the second tight end on most people's teams. So somebody I would throw, you know, a late second round pick in there to see if you can get him. And I do, I was encouraged when I looked at Dirk Cutter's uh, tight end usage. Uh, It's pretty consistent with what Hooper did last year. Uh, in terms of targets. So I think he's somebody that you may be able to get under the radar and you're not paying the hype price uh, that you'd have to for that second tier of tight ends. And you're not paying the hype price with the guys that are right around Hooper, uh, the Dallas Goddards and Ian Thomas and Chris Herndon and even Mark Andrews. So I think he's just kind of somebody that's flying under the radar that you can get better production than what you have to pay. I like that a lot. I think that's got a chance to be a very good offense next year. New coordinator, I think Hooper's role keeps growing. I think that's a very good one. And, you know, tight. if you can't get one of the big tight ends, maybe that's the perfect guy to get that you can start as tight end six-ish next year. Yeah, Hooper was a guy I I just never really believed in. I don't even know where I had him in my preseason rankings a year ago, but it was way down. Uh, and, and he obviously put up a career year as as uh, as I think what did you say a QB8 QB6 somewhere in that range uh, as is what he finished up on the season definitely better than what anybody expected I'm glad to hear you say that about the coaching change because as much criticism as Sark took there 
it was it was obviously under him that we saw this big season from Hooper, and now he's moved on. But it sounds like uh, maybe we can expect more of the same under Dirk Cutter. Mm-hmm. I actually just traded for Hooper in a league. I gave up three three and two nine. Yeah, I mean, I needed a tight end bad, and I think he's very startable, young. All right, what about uh, same same division there? Who are you selling, Scott? Well, Ryan, we covered this a couple weeks ago on the Command Center podcast, but I think you have to sell Chris Godwin right now. And when you look at where his current ADP is, it's right around that very, very beginning of the wide receiver threes. I think it was ABP 27 in the the latest DLF ADP. And so two things on the the reasoning why. A is the, the wide receiver two under Arians, I'm not super encouraged about the production uh, that they've given, especially when you look back at the last couple years, Larry Fitzgerald dominated the targets, and I think we project Mike Evans to do a similar thing in the offense. And then you add in O.J. Howard, so I'm I'm not sure what the target ceiling is for Godwin. And so I think a lot of his ADP value right now is the second thing is it's being priced very much so on projection. And while that, I definitely liked him as a prospect, and I think it's a good situation. I'm not a fan of buying players that are priced at their projection. I'd much rather look for a similar profile, somebody that's maybe a little bit further down that I can swap out, get some value, and hopefully get the same amount of production. I think that's really well said, too. I mean, he to say he's 27th on the wide receiver list to me is awful lofty. I mean, I don't know that he has a huge Kenny Galladay-type ceiling if he hits, um, and you don't know if he's going to hit. You don't know if this staff likes him as much as the old one. Deshaun Jackson's going to be gone, fine, but they absolutely could add a wide receiver. And I think you mentioned O.J. Howard. I mean, if I had to bet on a tight end to um, jump up to the Tier 1 tight ends, I would bet on Howard. I think he's going to produce a lot. Scott, I I like this call as well. Give us a price range of what you're looking to sell Godwin uh, for. Obviously, his price is climbing, and uh, it was on the way up late in the late in the regular season, and it, I think it continues to climb. What are you trying to get if you're moving Godwin? Well, if I'm just talking about a regular single quarterback lead, I'm probably looking at somewhere in the 1.07 to 110 range, uh, somewhere where I may be able to capitalize on a wide receiver that I really like that falls down the board. Uh, maybe in favor of another tight end or maybe in favor of a couple running backs that jump up the board. And I think in a, a super flex league or any league where there's a position bump up, tight end premium, point per carry, uh, probably you know, be willing to take a 2020 first if I can get it for Godwin. Uh, you may be able to get more. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are buying him aggressively, and that's another reason why I would say to sell him is there's probably going to be at least one suitor in your league that's willing to part with their 2020 first uh, to acquire Godwin right now. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. I think you could maybe even aim a little bit higher uh, than than the one seven, maybe uh, not not much higher, but maybe maybe one four, one five potentially. That's where I would start, and and I do like the idea of selling on this Godwin hype. Let's move on to the NFC North. NFC North, we've got the Chicago Bears, Vikings, Packers, and the Detroit Lions. Who's your buy out of from those teams? Well, I'll keep this by short because I think it's somebody that the only way you're probably going to be able to acquire him uh, without having to pay more than you probably want to is just getting him thrown in into a deal, and it's Adam Shaheen. Uh, I think Shaheen is somebody that really was hindered last year by uh, the injury that he had uh, in training camp, and it, it really kind of 
took him completely off the dynasty radar. Uh, but you look at some of the things he has going for him. I mean, he does have uh, prototypical tight end size. I mean, he's he is a big guy. He moves very well for his size. He was a, a high second round pick, so he has the draft capital going with him as well. Um, and also, you know, people will bring up that Trey Burton is blocking him. And I, while that might be the case in 2019, I, I don't know if Burton is going to be in Chicago uh, past the 2019 season. Definitely not past the 2020 season if you look at his contract. So I think Shaheen's somebody that if you're looking at a deal and he's on the other team's roster, you may be able to get him literally thrown in for free. Um, but he's not somebody that I want to necessarily go to somebody and say, what do you want for him? Because as soon as they know that I'm trying to get him, uh, the price in terms of like draft capital is probably going to go up just based on the fact that I want him. Yeah, I, I like that call too. I might just agree with every one of these potentially. And and he is a guy, you've got to get him as a throw-in. Or in, in some dynasty leagues, he's probably sitting on the waiver wire right now, actually. But he's not a guy you can pay a second for. You probably can't even acquire him for a third only because it's kind of a why bother deal. If I if I have Shaheen and somebody offers me a third, eh, I, I might as well just keep him, right? Matt, any thoughts on Shaheen? Yeah, I think that's well said from a tactical standpoint of how to acquire him too. Like, if you come asking me about Shaheen, I'm going to say, yeah, give me 208, and, you're not, and then you're not going to do it. And if you're going to offer me three, I'm just going to keep him. But if I can do a two for one, and hey, you got to give me a guy anyways, give me Shaheen, and we got a deal. I like it. Uh, and... I would think his red zone prowess should only be spiking. I mean, he does have the size. He has the traits. We knew he was going to be a project. We know tight ends take time anyway. Um, I'm a fan. I absolutely am a fan. I like this call. Yeah, and he he's the type of guy who you could work into a, a pick swap deal. So if you're looking to move down anyway, you move down two or three picks, depending on where you are in the draft, and you, you grab Shaheen for your treble. Mm-hmm. Scott, uh, who are you selling from these four teams in the NFC North? Well, I'm going to stay in the Windy City and sell Adam Shaheen's teammate, Tariq Cohen. Uh, And just looking at Cohen's profile, uh, he's definitely an outlier uh, with his size. And if you look back at the last two years, he's been used pretty consistently uh, in the receiving game. Uh, He's averaged right around 90 carries uh, in the two seasons in the NFL thus far. He actually is a, a little bit better running between the tackles uh, than I thought he was going to be, uh, but he's definitely not somebody that can do that that often. And so when I'm looking at you know, where he is being valued, if I can cash out on, on uh, Cohen for a mid-first-round range uh, and maybe get one of these running backs that I like a little bit better in this draft class, I'm, I'm more than happy with you know, kind of resetting my value on that and cashing out, especially if I have a team that, is kind of a suspect contender, uh, and I do have a little bit of depth at running back. I, I'm willing to sell Cohen just based on the traits. It's really nothing to do with him as a player. He, he's been exceeded expectations from what anybody thought, but I do think the market is going to always be scarce with running backs, at least until next year's class, so he's a sell. Quick question for you guys. I mean, you mentioned you would sell Cohen for a mid-first. I mean, is that the going rate? I mean, I would rather have the mid-first. This seems a little rich for me. I think that's probably about right. Um, really? Yeah. Well, he's a good sell. I haven't I haven't looked at deals with him lately, but I, I would imagine, I mean, that's kind of the same range we were talking about with Chris Godwin, and I would imagine they are priced similarly. Uh, do you guys, oh, my second question is, 
I could also envision the the Bears being a team that doesn't have many needs. They take a running back that falls in the fourth round that's kind of a do-it-all guy that isn't as much of a tell as Cohen in the passing game, Howard in the run game. And I don't know if they love Howard. So it wouldn't shock me if they add somebody, one of those surprise teams that adds a back that we say, ooh, you know, he's a pretty good player. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a back either. Um, I don't know that they would look to do that to threaten Cohen's position. Uh, I, I, I saw in a recent mock, I saw them take um, Scott, our guy, Benny Snell, who is not really much of a threat as a pass catcher, though I, I, I do think he'll be okay there, better better than most uh, are giving him credit for. But uh, he would he would kind of just slot into that Jordan Howard role if those rumors are are true that they're ready to move on from him. But whoever they add, I, I don't think it's going to be necessarily that all-purpose type back that that would push Cohen off the field. Scott, with guys like Cohen who are clearly clearly locked into that role and it's not the 1A role, are those guys you generally try to sell and try to capitalize on their value just you know they're their upside, and, and I'm not talking about a, a, a weekly PPR upside, but just their upside for number of touches or, or their role in the offense is still limited no matter how dynamic they are. Are those guys you typically try to cash out on? Yeah, I think it, it really just depends on what you're cashing out for. Uh, those are actually kind of guys I like to have kind of stashed on my roster, not not knowing that I have to start them every week, but they do have a floor if you do have to play them. Uh, but when the value gets as high as where it is with Cohen uh, and also Philip Lindsay is another one that kind of fits the same profile. When they get up into that range where I could potentially be looking at hitting on a true three down running back in a draft, I'm willing to to cash that out. But no, if I if I have someone like Cohen and he's being priced, you know, as maybe a mid second round pick, there's no incentive to sell there because most likely, you know, I'm looking at a similar a profile if I'm picking another running back with that same level of draft pick. So it really just depends on how high they get. Yeah, that's a good point. For for years and years, all of these types of players were, of course, compared to Darren Sproles. And every year we've got the next Darren Sproles coming into the league, and, and that never really happened. But the thing with Sproles, despite how productive he was, and, and he was certainly worthy of being a fantasy starter many years in his career, his price never reached. Uh, I don't think it ever reached first round range at all, and, and certainly not where Cohen's is. So it's it's interesting to see, you know, maybe maybe Sproles paved the way, and and now we're expecting Cohen to to keep that going. So pricing him um, maybe like Sproles should have been priced years and years ago. Let's move on now to the NFC East. Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, Giants. Who are you selling? I'm sorry, who are you buying? We'll start with the buy. Who are you buying from those teams, Scott? Well, this is another uh, another area where I had trouble really coming up with a buy of somebody that I'm, I'm looking at, you know, all my leagues trying to see if they're available. But I chose Nelson Aguilar, and I know this is definitely a polarizing player, but I, I'm encouraged with assuming that Wentz is back and healthy and the Eagles starter going forward. I was encouraged with, when I looked at the numbers that Aguilar produced uh, with Wentz at quarterback, as opposed to when they brought Foles in, uh, he was uh, almost a target and a half more per game uh, with Wentz. And I also think last year, you know, having Golden Tate around, I still don't understand that move necessarily from the Eagles' standpoint. Kind of pushed Aguilar 
all over the field. And I think it did hurt his production a little bit uh, in the second half of the season. So I'm encouraged by those two things. He's also a free agent, uh, and simply he's a value. His wide receiver ADP is 58, and you look at some of the names that are around there, and uh, some of them are not even players that I would think are playable on a weekly basis. And so I'm just encouraged by some of those things that you know Aguilar produced with Wentz, and also that he's just a flip value, even if you can make a little bit of a profit on him uh, right before the season starts. Matt, what are you thinking about Aguilar? Yeah, I would say he's my least favorite buy you've named so far, but I like the other two quite a bit. Um, you make a good point, and I'm sitting here scanning the division saying, who would I pick? I guess he's as good as any, not the easiest division to pull a guy out of. There is ability there. There's a first-round pedigree. He certainly flashed recently. Um, could he be the number two receiver? I, I tend to think... That the, the Eagles will be in the market, though, for the Mike Wallace, Torrey Smith type. I mean, they really do like the field stretcher, and maybe it's Wallace again, that Aguilar might be number three on the in the pecking order, and not including the tight ends. But, I mean, for, the, for what he costs you right now, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I saw someone project John Brown to the Eagles uh, yeah. to kind of Ooh. fit that, that downfield role, um, which that, that would, would be intriguing it. for sure. Yep. They don't have a lot of cap room, but that they can make some. Who are you selling in the NFC East, Scott? So my sell, and I don't own this player a whole lot, only because the acquisition cost was pretty high from the get-go. Uh, but my sell is Evan Ingram. And specifically, if we're talking in non-tight end premium leagues, I don't want to say that I think he's a fraud or that his production has been a fraud. Uh, but it, it, it definitely is a lot less when Odell Beckham is on the field. And if I had to bet, he would be the second of that second tier of tight ends that I think may fall out after this year. Uh, the other would be Hunter Henry. Uh, but I'm I'm just looking to cash out on Ingram, and I'd be willing to move down. We talked earlier about Austin Hooper. I would be willing to move down potentially to someone that would be willing to trade me something significant on top of Austin Hooper uh, for an Evan Ingram or even going down to, say, Eric Ebron and trying to get something on top of it. And it's it's not only because of his production, but also his profile. I'm not, I'm not sure if he has the lasting power uh, to be a, a prototypical tight end in the NFL. I mean, he's not, he's not big by tight end standards. And no, he's so not I'm, thick. Yeah, looking to sell him, um, not necessarily because he's a bad player, but just because I think he's overvalued. I think I expect the Giants to to draft or add some sort of inline tight end too, mm-hmm. like the a pure Y. I don't know how much that'll kill Ingram's production, but he's got like you said, he's got a lot of things working against him, especially with Barkley there now. But I mean, a tight end to help with the run game and make Ingram kind of the wild card. Um, I think that's a good call too. I mean, there's a lot of tight ends that I'm more intrigued with, like a Hooper, like a Howard. When you say you're move, you want to move down to Hooper or Ebron with something on top, a first rounder, right? Yeah, I'm probably looking to get something in the first round range. I guess it would really depend on what the team that is interested in Ingram has available. I mean, if they have a higher end first round, I'd probably be willing to just talk about that straight up. But if they're a team that is looking to, you know, upgrade their tight ends, the tiers are pretty clear. And so, you know, after the top eight, there's probably four teams at least in the league that are looking to upgrade at the position. So they may be sitting on a later first-round pick, and if I can get a tight end that maybe they don't think is all that good, like a Hooper, and a late first round on top of it, I will take that deal and you know see if I can upgrade my team 
uh, more with that draft pick. So we've seen these three tight ends that were in the class together compared to each other so often, Howard, Ingram, and Njoku. Is Ingram your least favorite of those three? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if I have Ingram, I'm I'm definitely looking to um, obviously get one of those guys if I could, but it's probably one of those situations where whoever has Njoku, whoever has Howard, either drafted him over Ingram uh, or prefers him to Ingram straight up. So it's kind of a hard move to make. Uh, so that's right. why I kind of mentioned the players that are below him. Yep. That's a good point. I was sitting here thinking, like, if I, how do I turn Ingram into Howard? But it would almost have to be like, I'll give you a better receiver, you give me a worse receiver. You know, like, right. help their team somewhere else because all the points you just made, they probably are looking at the same way we are. Let's finish up with the NFC in the NFC West. The Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, and Cardinals. Who are you buying from those four squads? So kind of the same principle here with Adam Shaheen. Uh, This is a player that I absolutely crushed in rookie drafts last year uh, in the late third round where I could get him. Sometimes he would fall to the the earlier mid-fourth round. Uh, But I'm buying Chase Edmonds, and for a lot of reasons, um, specifically – I do think he's a talented player. I really liked his profile coming out of college. Uh, He actually showed a little bit last year. I'm not sure if he's anywhere close to the receiver that David Johnson is, Uh, but it's a, it's a pretty clean depth chart in terms of, you know, if there is an injury ahead of him, uh, could be somebody that sees a big spike in value. Uh, Not quite to like Kareem Hunt 2017 range, but you know, Johnson does have an injury history and I do like the, the offense, changing for the positive for pretty much everybody in it. So I think Edmonds is another guy that if somebody has him on their team, they may have had a little bit of investment in him because probably the owner that has him liked him from the get-go. But if I can get him as a free throw-in, it's somebody that I'm trying to add where I can. I'm with you on that one. Edmonds, uh, across all my leagues, after rookie drafts last year, was actually my most owned rookie. And it, it was exactly for the reason you said uh, he had a clear pathway, obviously not to a starter job or, or significant weekly carries, but a clear pathway to the top backup job. And, and he earned that very quickly in the preseason. So that was a positive. And now we'll just kind of bide our time. Uh, who are you selling in the NFC West? Can I guess? Yeah, go for I it. Have a hun- I have a hunch. Tyler Lockett. Matt, you know your stuff, my friend. It is indeed. Right, good one. Okay, I didn't no cheat sheet here, everyone. I just had a hunch. No, and Matt <laughs> did not have the list of players prior, so I, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's Tyler Lockett. I mean, I like Tyler Lockett. I've I've liked Tyler Lockett for since he came into the draft, and but you just look more at his numbers last year, and it's absolutely incredible what he produced with the opportunity that he got. I mean, he was a wide receiver too, pretty comfortably in terms of overall production. And even when you look at points per game, uh, he was still a wide receiver too. And he did it on 71 targets. And so it's just, it's amazing the efficiency that he had. He caught almost 82% of his passes that were thrown his way. So I just don't see a way that he can repeat that. And right now, you know, he's in the, the low or low wide receiver two, high wide receiver three range. I think his last ADP was 25 as of last month. And at that range, it's kind of the same as, you know, Chris Godwin. I, I just don't see a way that his value increases. And we're so far away from the season right now that if I can get a value win by trading him at his current value, uh, I'm willing to do that because I'm not worried about needing to have a receiver to plug into a lineup just yet since the season's so far away. 
Yeah, despite his his finish for the season and and his his you know quality numbers overall for the year, I, I think Godwin is worth more. I would take any first for Lockett. Is that where you are? Yeah, I had late first as probably what I would be targeting. But if someone came at me with you know two hundred one or a two hundred two or a couple early to mid second round picks just to acquire him now, uh, I would I would seriously think about doing that deal uh, simply because I'm not sure that there's any room to grow. I'd love to see like some of these cells like take Lockett and Ingram and go get in a pick and go get Kittle or you know what I mean like yeah a couple if you have a couple of these dudes on your team maybe that's the deal to make of two or three of these guys in a package deal for a starter a really good player yep all right let's uh, let's move on to the AFC we'll start with the AFC South Houston Indianapolis Tennessee and Jacksonville Scott who are you buying from that group it's Kind of a tough group. The Titans, pretty ugly. Jaguars, pretty ugly. Who are you, who are you going to target here? Yeah, this was probably my toughest division to find somebody that I'm actively targeting. And so I chose another one of these guys, like Adam Shaheen, like Chase Edmonds, someone that literally you can get thrown into a deal for almost free. Uh, and I picked Keelan Cole. And the reason that I picked Cole was I, I was very – very high on him going into last season, and that proved to be a very bad decision. I had a lot of Keelan Cole, and he was kind of one of those guys that ruined your season because you felt comfortable with him going in uh, to be able to play him early on. So I know I started him, you know, the first couple weeks of the season and pretty much tanked some of those weeks. Uh, but I also think he's somebody that's gone completely the other way. He's almost entirely off the radar. And he was someone that was really productive in college. And so I, when he started to show what he did at the end of the 2017 season, just a player that if I can get thrown into a deal, nothing happens with him, no big deal, didn't cost me anything. But I do think there's potential of maybe a, a flex play or some plug-and-play value that I can stash on the back of my roster. Yeah, this this might be the first one I really disagree with you <laughs> on. He's he's just a guy I've kind of given up on, honestly. We we saw that year one production. I, I, I believe he was an undrafted free agent and, and really impressed. And th- th- it's been injuries and, and disappointment. And honestly, I'm just not sure I, I trust the Jaguars to, to get anything right uh, as, as far as the quarterback decision that, that they're going to have. We'll see what happens. Matt, any thoughts on Keelan Cole? Yeah, I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would be more into D.D. Westbrook for the price. And I know that he's, like, taboo right now. But Leonard Fournette's gotten so cheap. They're yeah. still going to run the ball. Defense is going to be good. For what I can get Fournette for, I might be interested. Yeah, the, the Fournette is, is actually a buy low right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Who are you selling from this, this group of four teams? Well, I think this is another popular sell, but it's been a player that I've I've tried to sell. I don't I don't think I own him on more than maybe one team right now, uh, and it's Will Fuller. Um, a lot of different reasons, but I'm I'm overly high on Kiki Cootie, uh, so I think he's somebody that will eat into the potential for Fuller next season. He's obviously coming off a a torn ACL, so we there's always unknowns with that. And I I'm starting to warm up to the idea. I haven't heard it talked about about potentially Antonio Brown being uh, a, a place, Houston being a place that Antonio Brown could potentially land. And if that were to happen, obviously it would it would destroy really any other value for any other receivers uh, that they have. And then finally with Fuller, you know, the in- pairing though. Yeah, the, the injury <laughs> history can't be ignored with Fuller either. Uh, when he plays, he produces big, but it's just not, 
not the kind of player that I want as a core starter uh, on my team. So I'm looking to sell, uh, especially if I can get something in mid to late first uh, or maybe some capital in the 2020 draft, I'm definitely selling. Yeah, Matt, I, I want to go to you on the Antonio Brown comment. Uh, that that would certainly be interesting. Uh, at one point, and it's it's been a while in this saga, but at one point the Falcons were the, the odds-on favorite to land AB in, in a trade. And obviously there would be paired with Julio Jones. I mean, to me, and, and maybe it's just my my juju mindset, to me there seems to be a little bit of jealousy here with Antonio Brown, that maybe he wasn't, or was was starting to lose some of the the limelight. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's all just, you know, maybe I'm just making all that up. But do you see him as a guy who might land with the Texans and play second fiddle to DeAndre Hopkins with the Falcons? Second fiddle to Julio Jones. See, I don't. I think he's still so good that he's not second fiddle to anyone in the league. I mean, not that those guys are worse than AB, but I think those three are probably on a tier by themselves, along with Odell. Maybe. I mean, <clears throat> so I don't think there's any one or a two, a Batman or Robin situation. Well, right. And, no, you're right, and and he certainly wasn't second fiddle to to Juju either. I, no, I, I didn't mean to imply that, but he he wouldn't be the star of the show either at least he wouldn't have the stage to himself so is is there anything to that to that idea or could you see him going to a team where there is already a top wide wide out my newest take on ab is he's doing all this craziness because he knows the steelers won't give him the next huge contract in the the beckham level and so if he gets out of pittsburgh maybe he gets that deal there certainly is a lot of immaturity and craziness, to be honest, and, um, you know, uh, immaturity, selfishness, all those things. But I got to be honest, I have not heard Atlanta or Houston. I don't know that Atlanta would really be interested with Ridley. Houston makes some sense. Um, the guy that actually you brought up the Steelers in Houston, I've heard a lot of Lev Bell to Houston. They could they could certainly use him. Yeah. Um, I like the Fuller call, by the way. Right. Back to the Fuller call. We don't want to gloss over that. I like that as well. Fuller is a guy, honestly, and I don't know if you all have players like this. I have flip-flopped on him terribly. I I totally avoided him in rookie drafts the year he came out. And, of course, we we saw what happened when he was finally healthy. He he basically dominated for, what, a six- or seven-game stretch there and was was unbelievable. I really wish we had gotten to see – healthy Fuller and healthy Kiki together for at least a month or so. And, and we really didn't. Both of those guys dealt with injuries last year, but I think you're right. I would be worried about, about QT's role in that offense. If I was a Fuller owner and and he's another guy like Lockett, I would pretty much take any first for him right now. A lot like Lockett. Value wise. Yeah. I think so. In terms of unsustainable production. All right, AFC North. Of course, we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We, we've we mentioned them. The Browns and the Bengals. Who are you buying from this group? A lot of not, a lot of options in the AFC North, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but I chose a heavy hitter. I chose A.J. Green. Uh, and specifically, I'll preface this by saying this needs to be, obviously, a win-now team, a team that maybe fell just short of a championship in 2018. But if you look at 
I know Green's dealt with injuries, and that's been a, a bane of him in the last couple seasons. But if you look at what he does when he's on the field, I mean, he has more points per target and more points per reception than guys like Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen. I mean, he's right there with Antonio Brown in terms of points he scores per target. So I combine that with the new offense. Hopefully, uh, it does kind of put him in a a role where he's going to get a lot of targets next season. And he's right now being valued around wide receiver 16, wide receiver 17. And I think that's just a little bit too much of an overcorrection uh, because of the injuries. And so if I can get him for, you know, probably comfortably, uh, I'll try to offer somewhere like a mid first uh, to try to get AJ Green. It may cost a little bit more, uh, but that's somebody that I'm interested in buying on a win now team. Yeah, I, I like the green call and, and, especially if I do have that win now team. We, we've got a little bit of February ADP. It's not quite done, but I see that he has slipped behind Corey Davis in ADP. Uh, that, that's, uh, that might be a little too far for me. He is behind Robert Woods, behind Kenny Galladay. T.Y. Hilton has jumped back up ahead of him. That kind of tells me A.J. Green might be a nice player to buy. I agree. Matt, any thoughts on A.J. Green? Yeah, I mentioned it before and kind of made some waves the last time we got together that I can envision this Bengals offense mirroring, you know, being the Michelob light version, Michelob ultra version of the Rams with A.J. Green being a better version of Robert Woods. Um, And you're right, when he's on the field, he's remarkably productive. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a great player in his prime, but people don't really seem to treat him that way in the dynasty community. I think part of... Part of the reason for that is he came into the the league with Julio Jones. Those two guys have always been kind of compared to each other. And honestly, Jones has just been mm-hmm. better. So I, I think he people kind of knocked uh, Green because of that. And, and like Scott mentioned, he's had the injuries here and there as well. Scott, let's go back to you for your sell in this AFC North. Well, my sell in the AFC North, I am going to Cleveland. And I think Matt mentioned it earlier that it's potential that the Browns do look to bring in a receiver. Uh, so my sell uh, in the AFC North is Antonio Callaway. Uh, the reason for that is his value is starting to creep up a little bit. Uh, I think at this point, you can probably sell Callaway for uh, early to mid second round pick. That's, that's probably where I would be looking to sell him at. Uh, and I'm simply basing that off of a couple things. You know, the potential that they bring in somebody. And there's really a low hit rate on receivers that are drafted, you know, in the third round or later. Uh, it's really not that high. So if you're if you're looking at where you had to pick Callaway last year, he was going right around that early third round range. So you're making a little bit of a profit on him, and it's hard to ignore the the off the field concerns uh, with Callaway. So there's just too many landmines there uh, that could tank his value. So if I can cash out for an early second round pick or a comparable player, and even go as low as say. 204, 205, I would be willing to do it on Callaway. I like the idea of packaging him, Fuller, Lockett, Godwin, two of those guys to go get somebody good. You know, somebody that, not A.J. Green, but somebody that's real stable. Yeah, I don't, I mean, when you look at some of the cells, Fuller and Lockett, I don't know that you, and, and Godwin, I don't know that you have to add much to get up to mm-hmm. A.J. Green, honestly, or, or even a guy like T.Y. Hilton. No, you don't. All right, we've got a couple divisions left. The AFC East is next. 
Of course, the Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins, the Bills, and the Jets. It's kind of tough to find a buy from this group, too, I would think. Scott, who'd you come up with? Yeah, my AFC East buy uh, is kind of similar to Nelson Aguilar, just in terms of where he's being currently valued. Uh, My buy is Quincy Anunwa, and recently just signed a contract extension with the Jets. Uh, It's not one that's necessarily going to lock him in. It was a four-year deal, but it's not a deal that really is going to lock him in for probably more than two years. Uh, But I did like what I saw uh, with with Anunua early on, and it's somebody that has kind of lingered on the back of rosters. He's been hurt. He's dealt with injuries, even last season where he missed some time. So somebody that I just think I can simply get some value on right now, not necessarily looking to flip him, but more of just somebody to have on the back of my roster that could provide some week-to-week stability if I needed it. So kind of a long-term play and just somebody I think is being undervalued. I would think you could get him for a late second. Do you think, Scott? Yeah, I, I've tried to get him, and I think the it's telling another one of those players that uh, other people are buying, but they're they're really looking for a significant discount. So if he's already been moved once in your league, I've seen him traded in three or four of my leagues this offseason already. So the team that's already gotten him probably is not willing to sell uh, because of you know the reason that they just went out and acquired him a couple weeks ago. But yeah, if there's somebody that's just kind of let him linger on the back of their roster. I definitely think you could get him for a late second, especially as we get closer to the draft. I mean, I bet they add some sort of receiver, but they don't have a lot of draft capital. They need a lot of things. They have a lot of free agent capital, but it's not a great group of receivers. I mean, maybe Golden Tate ends up there. I don't think Brown will end up there from the Steelers. So Anunno very well might be the second leading receiver on his team and be a wide receiver three for you. Matt, I'm going to let you guess again. You were confident last time. Patriots, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets. Who do you think Scott pegged as his sell from these four teams? Ooh, well, it's not the best division. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of high-end talent. I mean, I think the McCoys and Crowells are too obvious. How about Drake? I don't... Is, he, is he right again? Unfortunately, not this time. Not this time. And I, I it's somebody that I, I think Matt was a fan of. Uh, my cell is Sony Michelle, and I'll preface this by everyone cites Sony Michelle's lack of passing work, and then you have the people on the fence thinking that it's going to be able to improve. Others say that that's not ever going to be his role, so he's an obvious sell for that. But I'd simply be looking at seeing if I can capitalize on what he did in the playoffs, and I don't necessarily want to sell Sony Michelle for just draft picks. Uh, I'm looking to see if I can maybe capitalize on somebody that is uh, looking to swap out Nick Chubb for Sonny Michelle. I'm willing to add a decent amount to a deal like that to get a Chubb or to get Dalvin Cook uh, or even to get on Johnson. I like him significantly more than Sonny Michelle. So I would be willing to uh, see if I can make that swap regardless of you know what I have to pay, if I have to add a little bit. And there might be an owner that's higher on Michelle and wants to upgrade, and I may be able to make a deal with, say, on Johnson or even Darius Geis and get a little bit back on top. I like it. And I'll be honest, I liked Michelle a lot more coming out of Georgia than seeing him in the pros. I mean, I do think there's probably a lot of touchdowns in his future being in the backfield where he is and being their short yardage guy, although he's not like Eric Blunt or Corey Dillon. Um, he wasn't very impressive to me. I I didn't see many wow runs. He kind of got what was there. And in that offense, that's good for fantasy. But, uh, you know, you got the lingering knee issue. 
I think this might be the highest his value is ever going to be. Totally on board with selling Sony Michelle. And it seems like pretty much everybody's on board with selling Sony Michelle. I don't know. uh, I don't know. I guess it kind of goes back to the, the Nick Chubb conversation. Everybody says that it's, it's not so easy to do unless you're just willing to take that discount and maybe, maybe taking a guy like, uh, Darius Geis or carry on Johnson. Maybe that's the discount taking one of those guys even up. Yeah. And I think that another sneaky move and it's going to really just depend on how the owner of this player views Sony Michelle. Uh, I'm not as concerned with the age on say somebody like David Johnson, just given the, the mileage that he has under him. You know, someone may look at David Johnson and say, okay, he's 27 years old. Sony Michelle is younger. He's in a better offense and they may be willing to make that type of swap. But I think Matt said with his knee injury issues, that the age may not matter as much with Michelle. I'm not sure about the longevity that he has on his side. So I'd be even willing to go for somebody like David Johnson or maybe even Bell uh, just for, you know, I'm only looking one or two years in advance with a running back like Michelle. So if I can get that and get a better receiving floor, I'm able to sneak him into a deal for a team that all oh, they think they're getting a little bit younger. But really, I'm getting the more productive player. I think Belichick looked at that pick and said, if we can have Michelle until Brady hangs it up, great. Other than that, you know, yeah. get us through here and you'll be, you know, make Tom's life a little easier. Scott, I know you said you wouldn't necessarily want to sell Sony just for picks. What about the 101? Are you selling him even up for that pick? Yeah, I actually just had a, a long discussion with somebody about this today, and we were talking about you know where's that line between the running backs last season, uh, where I would draw that line of you know where who I would take before the 101 this year, and I think that's right on that cut line. Uh, I would prefer say Carry On Johnson to the 101 this year, uh, me personally. So I think if someone offered me the 101 for Michelle. I guess it would depend on my league. If it's a league that's active and I know that there's going to be somebody that just absolutely falls in love with somebody uh, at the 101, I may consider it. Probably wouldn't do it straight up, though. Uh, To be honest, if someone offered me the 101 today for Sony, I would probably still turn it down uh, just with the, the scarcity at the running back position. Yeah, that's fair for sure. All right, Scott, let's finish up the AFC West. We've run through uh, 14 players already. You've got two more for us. The Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. Who are you buying from those four teams? Well, this buy was pretty easy for me. This is a player that I'm I'm looking at every one of my leagues to see who owns them. Uh, I, I own him in a lot of them, so it, there's no, no trade to be made. But my buy is Sammy Watkins. Uh, I think Sammy is somebody that has really lost the trust of a lot of dynasty owners from what they had to pay to get him in rookie drafts, you know, top three pick. And he hasn't been really reliable for him any of those seasons that they've held him. So I know quite a few dynasty owners that are just done with Sammy Watkins altogether. So I'm looking for that owner that is potentially looking to cash out for a very, maybe the last pick of the first round or an early second round pick. Uh, And they're, you know, the injuries are a thing that everybody cites, and I get that. Same with A.J. Green. I can understand if you don't want that type of player. Uh, but I, I kind of look at another player. Alshon Jeffrey was somebody that was just plagued with injuries early in his career. And he's kind of turned that around um, a little bit. And he hasn't been dinged with the same soft tissue injuries uh, that he was plagued with early in his, uh, in his career. So I'm willing to gamble on Watkins. And the situation couldn't be better for fantasy. If he finds himself healthy and 
you know, in that offense, you know, he's wide receiver 32 right now. And I could see him, I would not be shocked if a year from now he had a wide receiver two or better season. So I think I know your answer, but would you trade the Fuller Lockett Godwin guys for Watkins? Yeah, that's a good question because from a pure value standpoint, I would think I can get more for yeah, all of those guys. Yeah, definitely thrown in, right? Yeah, yeah. If I could get, especially Lockett, I think that's an obvious one uh, of those three. Uh, I think that's the obvious one that I would definitely flip for Watkins if someone's willing to add something. Uh, Godwin, I definitely think you could get something added to mm-hmm. Watkins, and so yeah, Probably I would. I would do that I, aggressively. I'd I'd try to make that move. All right, Scott. Finish up with your buy. I'm sorry, with your sell from these four teams. So my sell in the AFC West, uh, kind of similar to Antonio Callaway, is Deshaun Hamilton, another guy that's kind of getting a little bit of steam after he came on last season after the Emmanuel Sanders uh, Achilles tear uh, and the Demarius Thomas trade. Um, he did he he was quite impressive. He he did have some good games, uh, and he does look like your prototypical slot receiver that could fill that Sanders role. Uh, but some concerns, you know, he was a uh, you know he was a day two. Uh, not not high draft capital into Hamilton, and he was an older prospect coming in. So that alone makes me leery of you know what he's going to produce going forward. Also, I'm not as encouraged with you know the the slot receiver with Joe Flacco. I mean that's not really his game. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. That I think the Flacco acquisition in Denver uh, hurts Hamilton in terms of being able to project his floor. So I'm looking to sell Hamilton similar to. Callaway. I mean, they could definitely bring somebody in, and if I can cash out for, uh, you know, say high mid second round pick, I'm all over it. I also think that's still a potential landing spot for AB. Although I felt better about it before they hired Munchak. Munchak might be like, no, don't bring him in. Uh, Matt, what do you think of Deshaun? Yeah, I think he's a nice player. I wish he was on my favorite team, but I think at best he's going to be an Adam Humphreys type. You know, so if there is a little buzz about him right now. Move them. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 the, I forget what price you just said. Something about like a mid-second. Mid I, I might even take an early third. I don't think there's special qualities there. Uh, I think you can certainly get, uh, at, at the very worst, I think you could get a late mm-hmm. second. But I think, yeah, Scott was talking about kind of the same price range as Callaway, that early to mid-second round range, which I think is, is definitely fair for Deshaun Hamilton. I think Callaway's a lot more upside of the two. I mean, if one of them yeah. hits, yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Pro- probably a lower floor, though, too, just with the off-field stuff. Oh, yeah, he could not be in the league two years from now. Yeah. Scott, great stuff today. Thank you for joining us. Tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your work. Well, first and foremost, you can find me at Dynasty Command Center uh, in our Slack chat, and I'm pretty active over there, uh, going back and forth with a lot of our great members on trades. Uh, also one of the co-hosts on the Dynasty Command Center podcast, you can find me on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB and always looking to connect with new people and always looking to talk Dynasty football. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Scott. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.